Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, and I'm joined on this lovely Tuesday evening by my co-host, Matt Lando, and of course, Tech Guy Keys. How's everybody doing this weekend? Doing good, man. Had a uh, had an awesome weekend this weekend. Made it out for my first ever Ole Miss game in Oxford. Really weird because of COVID stuff, but Oxford is the coolest college town I think I've been to. Very similar to Statesboro, except the city's like right there with the campus. So you can walk from campus to anywhere in the city, like the city square, which is where all their bars and everything are. And it's like a mile walks at most. And then you can walk to the stadium. I mean, it's all right there. So it's just a, a solid, solid uh, college town. 10 to 10 would recommend to any of you guys that are out there and want to go to a new college town. Oxford, Mississippi is awesome. And it's true what they say. It is very true what they say. Everyone there is beautiful. Everyone. I would you guys obviously have not well. been to Statesboro, Georgia then. Because uh, there's, some, there's some babes down in Statesboro. Oh, yeah. I mean, I met my wife in Statesboro. Of course, there are babes in Statesboro. It's just it's it's a really cool spot. So definitely, definitely, if it's not on your uh, you haven't been there yet, I would suggest it. I don't know if any of y'all have been to like a, a game. I know Witt and Keys, y'all went to the uh, Georgia Southern game. But like it was weird being at a college football game in the year of COVID because of like the student section was packed, but the rest of the stadium was kind of empty weirdly enough so they sell beer throughout the whole stadium in oxford did not know that going to the game got there and it was like oh yeah you can buy a beer here and so here i am the old lonely guy in the student section because you have to sit where there are chair backs so i had i like i had to find a spot where there was two empty ones and sit by myself and i managed to proceed to pound 10 tall boys uh all by my lonesomes <laughs> and the and they stopped selling beer before the at the end like halfway through the third quarter. So uh, your boy Maddie had a good time in, in the Ox patch. It was uh, it, it was fun. And Ole Miss got a win, so I am 1-0 and in, in Ole Miss games. How much of the Masters did you guys watch this week? All of it. Are you kidding me? There was no good football on. It's all there was to watch. On Masters weekend, nothing else matters other than the Masters. Like I, I was really happy that all the football games got canceled. Because then I could just focus on watching golf all day long. I kind of wasn't very upset about that either. If there was one weekend that we needed football games to not be on so we could watch golf or watch something else, it was this weekend. Because, I mean, I had a fantastic time. I put golf on. I got a three-TV setup going on in my in my apartment over here in Nashville. I had golf on the main TV. I was watching Tiger. I had some money on some of the guys. I had money on Tiger and uh, Justin Thomas. And then I had my two other TVs on the side with a little bit of football on. It was just fantastic. Awesome weekend of watching sports. Yeah, the whole weekend seemed kind of like it was eventful, but without patrons there, it it, ju- it just didn't have that same that same master's effect that it usually usually that same master's feel that it usually does. So I, I don't know. Sunday Sunday was good. It was fun to watch, but it wasn't as exciting as it usually is. So hopefully, when they uh, play there again in April, uh, April eighth, it's they have some patrons there so it can be a little more exciting yeah i enjoy being in the spring because i don't have to worry about missing anything that weekend i mean there's baseball on but it's like normally the second weekend in a game a second weekend the second weekend of baseball like game seven and eight doesn't really matter when you've got 162 games compared to 
you know, one of 10 college football games. And I mean, I, I watched the Masters all day, Thursday and Friday. And then we left and we went and got to Oxford. And then Saturday, I didn't really get to watch much. I watched while we were at a bar on Saturday. And then Sunday, I watched a little bit in the morning, but I listened to it on the radio on the way home from Oxford because uh, I was driving. So didn't really get to watch DJ win it, but glad he did win it. I, I was glad to see DJ finally get that that major. Yeah, it was definitely well-deserved. Nobody really had a chance of catching DJ after he got off to a hot streak there. I'm really happy for DJ. Um, Tiger kind of kind of screwed himself on uh, on Friday because he didn't move at all on Friday. And he really just put himself in a hole that was hard to dig out of because the greens were, were real soft and people were just scoring ridiculous scores over the weekend. But all right, guys, we got a couple questions here uh, actually sent into our social media. First one is from at Sam Caldwell Zero, and he wants to know if we think the past weekend's football games that were postponed are even worth making up, or are they just a wash? Every game matters. Yes, they are worth making up. Every game matters. These teams need as much playtime as they can possibly get, because if you don't play one game, then that can be that one game that screws you up to not make the playoffs. So Georgia needs to play Missouri. A and M needs to make up all their games. Whoever didn't play this weekend needs to make up their games because it matters uh, if they have a chance of making the playoff. I think the team that needs to play the game that they had postponed is the team that's not going to play that game, and that's Ohio State. I mean, they already had, what, nine-game schedule, eight-game schedule plus the conference championship if they were to make it. If they lose a game... I, I don't think they have I don't think they have any room to lose a game now. I just don't think they do. I mean, I mean I'm sure that uh, I might be wrong. The committee is going to look at Ohio State a little bit different than a lot of other teams because of how well they look on when you're sitting there watching them the eye test and how good they've been for the past couple of years and uh, might give them the benefit of the doubt. But I mean, to me, if I'm sitting there voting and Ohio State's only playing nine games and they have a loss or they don't even make the conference championship and they play eight or it would be seven games because because they're losing the Maryland game. If they played seven if they played seven games and had a loss, went six and one. I I would not be putting them in. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Like I, you, you got to play. You got to play and prove that you are a team that deserves to be there because you do it consistently over and over and over again. And especially a team with Ohio State's past that's lost games big to Purdue and to Iowa. Uh, you know. Some teams like that, you you have an off week, and you know in college football it's not the NFL. You can't have an off week. You've got to win all of your games, and especially in this season. And I know a lot of people in the national media are starting to kind of call it a wash of a season anyway because of all the cancellations. But I mean, I think you know football is upon us. It's here. Let them let the kids play. They want to play the games. Make them up, uh, and and it'll all work out in the end. A point that I wanted to mention too is uh, that, that next it actually was a mailbag question from at it's underscore a underscore George. Who, in your opinion, has a better shot at winning the Pac-12, Oregon or USC? Uh, I know I've got my thoughts already. What are your guys' thoughts first? It is going to be very, very close. Oregon has good talent. USC, I didn't think they were going to be that great, but they're proven to be pretty good. So I think I'm going to stick with what I know. Oregon has been good for the past several years. USC, not so much. So I'm going to go with Oregon until my eyes have seen different. 
Uh, I'm I'm sticking with USC. I know um, y'all might remember I picked them to win the Pac-12. Uh, just we were just kind of talking a couple weeks ago, and I said I thought they were going to win for a couple of reasons. But um, I think it's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I thought with Oregon's opt-outs and with losing Justin Herbert, that was going to be just too much for them. They were, I don't even, like I thought they were still going to compete, but I thought USC was going to be easily the best team in the Pac-12. Um, just from what I've seen so far from Tyler Shuck and the rest of that team. They looked like they're playing a lot better than I thought they would. They they looked like honestly they probably could they might could contend for that fourth playoff spot if things were to fall their way. So I'm I'm still gonna stick with USC, but I'm with Lando. I think it's gonna be a lot closer. But hey, we also have to remember that USC is going through a coaching change where they had Cliff Kingsbury, you know, hired what, what was that a couple years ago, two years ago. So they're still I guess trying to get into that mesh of of the coach that's there right now. I think Graham Harrell is the uh, offensive coordinator for um. USC so yep. I can definitely tell that that offense is really good so it's, it's going to be close I, I'm I don't think it's all that close I mean I, I've watched USC this past weekend and the weekend before and they have done nothing to impress me I don't think Arizona State's a very good team and I don't think Arizona's a very good team um, and USC struggled with both of those teams pretty pretty heavily I think Keaton Slovis is a good quarterback I just and and I think there's some good talent there with USC, but overall, man, like I just think Oregon is a better coach team, and I think they're a deeper team. Um, so I, I think Oregon's gonna run away with it, at least in theory. I mean, I feel like every year we have a Pac-12 team that should run away with it, and they wind up losing a game or something like that. But uh, I, I personally think that it's Oregon. The Oregon is the Pac-12's only avenue of getting a playoff uh, team in. Maybe USC because of the brand name, but I don't think that USC has done enough to impress, at least me personally. I mean, two wins that won, I mean, really should have been a loss. They won. At the end of the day, they won. Should have, could have, would have. But to uh, Arizona State, who who blew that game, and then to an Arizona team that Kevin Sumlin – his his best coaching days are behind him, I'm afraid. Uh, he doesn't have Johnny Manziel on that Arizona team. It's not a great Arizona team anyway, so that's that's kind of where I am on that topic. All right, guys, let's move on to uh, our second question from at It's a George. He wants to know, do we think people are sleeping on Indiana's defense or are they just playing overhyped trash teams? Indiana's good. I'm just going to put that out there. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. You know, yeah, they they beat up on an awful, awful Michigan team, but they didn't just, you know, roll their helmets out there when they played them. They went out there and 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 beat them handily, and they are playing really solid football right now. I I don't I think people are sleeping on on Indiana. I agree with you, man. Like week one, it was like okay, Indiana beat Penn State, good for them, but they barely. It was the the controversial two point conversion to beat them. And then they've dominated every week since then. I think the biggest thing that's impressed me with Indiana is their defensive secondary, man. Their, their defensive secondary has played very fast. They play physical. They're ball hawks. You know, they, they, they've created a lot of turnovers for them. And Indiana is a good football team. Uh, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you can discredit who they've played. Um, I mean, you still got to go out there and you've got to you've got to win the game. And does it help that their their schedule probably hasn't been super tough? I mean, yeah, sure, but 
I, I mean, I still don't think that Penn State is God. Maybe they are worse than I initially thought they were at the beginning of the year, but I still don't think they're a terrible, terrible team. I mean, they don't look very good, and their record says that they're bad. And I, at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. But I think Indiana is just a good team. You can definitely kind of give them a little crap for letting Penn State, the way that they've looked these past couple of weeks, score 35 points on your defense. I mean, their offense has looked absolutely terrible. Same with Sean Clifford. He's, he's just awful. But I think you could also say that Penn State was a different team in week one than they have been these past, what, what are they, 0-4 now? Yeah. I mean, last week against Nebraska, they looked pitiful. It looks like they just completely quit on this year. And honestly, it's been a year where just in 2020, that's not really that surprising. Like, we knew – there's going to be some of these teams that were going to come out and where they were going to try and play. And they were, you know, like especially the Big Ten teams where they didn't even know if they were going to have a season. They probably had already given up on it at the at the point where they came back to it besides teams like Ohio State and Nebraska. But, um, yeah, I mean, they shut out Michigan State last week. Um, I don't think Michigan State's uh, offense is really that good. But, I mean, the fact that shutting out a team is never easy to do. So I, I think Penn State's a good team. I think it's really hard to tell with who they played so far. But I think this coming week when they play Ohio state, you're really going to be able to tell how good their defense is, how good their offense is. And um, I think they're going to put up a fight. I'll tell you what, I need to send a big apology to our listeners who are big 10 fans who like teams in that conference, because I've been saying for the past several weeks that the big 10 is awful. That like from top to bottom, they're trash. But this past weekend really opened my eyes to the reality of the deal. The big 10 has, Four legit teams. Ohio State, Wisconsin, who came back fierce and and absolutely took Michigan to the to, to the woodshed. And Northwestern is undefeated. And Indiana is really good. So the, the Big Ten is looking real solid right now. They really are. And even even Rutgers, who has lost a few games, they haven't looked they haven't gotten beaten down like they traditionally have. Like, I think Rutgers has actually been playing formidable football. Hashtag uh, shout out to Greg Schiano because, uh, you know, he's back. He's back in uh, his his home, and uh, he was made for that Rutgers job. Why did he get I mean, honestly, I think, booted out of Rutgers the first I think, time? Was it something to do with, like, recruiting as to why he, he got fired? He, he went to the, the NFL. Oh, okay, so he just, he just, uh, just found a better deal and, and just upped and left. He went to, like I think he went and I think he left Rutgers to be the head coach at Tampa Bay. Uh okay, okay. And then he Okay, yeah, I think I remember that now. And then he bounced around in the NFL for a while and then he decided to go back down to the college level. And then he became the coach of Tennessee and then he immediately got fired. That yeah, Tennessee hired That's him. That's right. Yeah. Tennessee hired him and their, their fans their fans rioted. <laughs> I mean, that's how you know that Tennessee's such a dumpster fire right now though is the fact that their their fans control what the administration does for that program. Like, if you think Greg Schiano is the best hire and you're the athletic director, you hire him. And if the fans are all pissed about it, be like, look, right. look you, it doesn't matter what you think. Show up, watch the games, and when we start winning, everyone forgets about how pissed off they were. But then instead, you make the unpopular or the popular with the fans, but – not very popular from a, a national standpoint of, oh, we hired this guy. Now we fired this guy, and now we've hired Jeremy Pruitt. And that's not <laughs> going very well now either. So now you're wearing the dunce hat if you're the administration there in Tennessee. Definitely. Like, like they, they definitely have to look, at, look themselves in the mirror and be like, what did we do? 
we hired, then fired this guy for somebody who hasn't improved our team not one bit. Like, <laughs> what were you thinking? You're definitely not making any friends. And, I mean, by by all means, I love it. I mean, I love seeing Tennessee be a dumpster fire uh, as a fan of a team that hates them. But if now I'm a coach and I see how bad that administration has handled this whole situation, handled that situation, and in hindsight it's not not working out for them, I don't know if I want that Tennessee job. It seems like that's a job that's a, a, a little bit above, you know, where I, what I would want the headache that I would want to have. Well, hey, speaking of coaching changes and hot seats and all this kind of crazy stuff going on, let's talk about Jim Harbaugh. I think Jim Harbaugh is really on a downhill slope right now. He is just just toppling over in Michigan. What do you guys think about that? I've been on uh, Jim Harbaugh's yeah. case since the, since the season started. Yeah, I, I I've been the only one who was kind of like, eh, I mean, he's won ten games a year. He's done, and the teams quit. It almost feels like he's quit on on Michigan. It's time to part ways. Jim Harbaugh needs to either go back to the NFL and take another team to the Super Bowl and be a good NFL coach or go be an offensive analyst for Nick Saban at Alabama next year because he's got to have that career revived after this. Yeah, my one thing is I think that Michigan is too proud of a program to fire a coach during the middle of the season. I think they're going to foolishly let him ride it out and then let him go after the season's done. I mean, that might not be the worst thing in the world that could happen solely for the the sake of recruiting one. I mean, he's he's done a great job recruiting there. I mean, he's still he's had top ten classes and top twenty. I think top five classes even the first couple of years that he was there. the The problem that I think Jim Harbaugh has had is he has overthought himself many times. And I don't think that he, he's been so player-friendly that I don't think he's prepared the guys in a way for big games that is conducive to them winning those big games, like rivalry games, Michigan State, Ohio State, namely. They have struggled against those teams. And I think you gotta get you got to get a new voice in there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think he's dying. I, I know, like, with COVID and everything going on, most coaches are going to get the benefit of the doubt. Like I think like James Franklin could probably lose every single game this year and keep his job, even though like they've looked awful. The team looks like they've given up, but I don't think they've given up on him. I think they just given up on the season with Michigan. It's the same with South Carolina. Like you knew he was kind of coming into the year already on the hot seat. Obviously they've been a better program than South Carolina since he's been there and they've been somewhat competing. I mean, not really, but they're still like, I'd say they're a top five program in the big 10 right now. But I don't think the program's the problem. I think he's recruiting fine. He's getting guys in there. But I just think it's coaching. Like, you can tell the guys don't want to play for him. He's not developing players the way he should be. There's no – he's he's supposed to be an offensive coach, and he, there's no offense at all. He hasn't had an offense at all since he's been there, period. So I, I think even – I think just bringing in a new guy is going to completely change Michigan's uh, Michigan going forward. And I think the new guy, I know I, a couple weeks ago, I think I said PJ Fleck was going to be their guy, but I've done a little talking with some, with some big 10 friends recently, just to kind of get more of a feel on Michigan and like their mindset behind hiring coaches. And I honestly think just based on history and how they hire, it's going to end up being Luke fickle. I'll tell you one thing I didn't see coming this weekend was uh, South Carolina dumping on Will Muschamp. Uh, that one kind of caught me off guard. It did, but it didn't. I mean, like, if you're supposed to be a defensive coach and you give up SEC records to an offense, now granted, 
Elijah Moore and Matt Corral are phenomenal players for Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin is an offensive guru. But you give up 59 points, and your your job is to be a defensive coach, and now your defense isn't even playing good. I, I think that they are just going ahead and doing the inevitable and cutting the cutting the ties off. But I I don't know. I I I, I really don't know. I mean, they have Gunnar Stockton as their number one recruit that was going there. That was going there because of Muschamp recruited him. I mean, one thing that I that I have thought of with that whole situation, and this might be slightly off topic, but Gunnar Stockton now his his head coach at, at Rabin County is Jay Bo Shaw, Georgia Southern alum. Uh, shout out Jay Bo. His brother Connor Shaw is an offensive analyst at South Carolina. So maybe South Carolina was thinking, hey, you know, we've got a pretty good shot at keeping this kid, regardless of head coaching changes. Let's go ahead and cut the ties. Is this Connor Shaw that used to play quarterback for South Carolina? It is Connor Shaw who used to play quarterback for South Carolina. I actually was listening to um, a Georgia, one of the Georgia podcasts I listened to, obviously, because I'm a freak. But um, I heard that the guy that recruited Gunnar Stockton there was Mike Bobo, who was he was the this is his first year as the offensive coordinator for South Carolina. And before the season, when he got hired, I predicted that Mike Bobo, the reason that part of the reason they brought Mike Bobo on was so if they fired Will Muschamp this year, they could move him to interim coach and then keep him for at least the next year or two. So I honestly think that's still a good there's a good chance of that happening, even though you're hearing a lot about Hugh Freeze going there. Um, some people on Twitter are already saying it's a done deal, but I mean, I would not be surprised if Mike Bobo ended up keeping that job. I think Hugh Freeze has a lot of baggage still hanging over his head, though, because you know he has apparently he had he still has some like recruiting stuff going on right now at Liberty. I don't know. I I heard this. I, I guess I may not have been listening too hard to to game day over the weekend, but I heard there there may have been like some recruiting violations at Liberty too. I don't know. I have to look it up. Hugh Freeze is a phenomenal offensive coach. He will win you football games. He's going to recruit well. Hugh Freeze is going to be, I think, I'm with Wit. I, I was on the Hugh Freeze of South Carolina bandwagon. I don't think that South Carolina is going to be able to afford Hugh Freeze because he just signed that extension that comes with a buyout now with Liberty. So now South Carolina is going to have to front that money to Liberty. And I don't think that South Carolina is going to have that kind of money because they're losing a ton of revenue because of COVID that they're not going to have now. So I think that Bobo could be their guy for a year or two. They keep Gunnar Stockton there. And I mean, I don't think Gunner, that Mike Bobo was a terrible head coach at, at Colorado state. I mean, it's, it's Colorado state. Um, and, and with you, you experienced Mike Bobo as an offensive coordinator, at, at least from a fan perspective, perspective i don't think he did a bad job with georgia's offense no i don't think he did either i know a lot of georgia fans kind of were like all over him saying fire bobo and when i was younger and really didn't understand the game very well i kind of was too but as i've gone back and watching some of these old georgia games and with the teams like with matthew stafford and aaron murray and when we had some of the better quarterback play a lot of that was because of the the way that mike bobo was drawing up plays we had a we had a very good offense back when uh, Mike Bobo was there. I think the defense was probably our main problem at that point. But he, um, yeah, I mean, even at Colorado State, it was the same deal. Like they had some good offenses. I think he put up pretty good numbers. I know, like his, I think it was his second year 
that he was coaching there or his second to last year, uh, 2018, he had the 30th best offense in the country, which really isn't that great. But for a group of five team like Colorado State, where you're, like, you're not going to recruit good guys over there. It's not like it's in Georgia or in Florida or Texas or somewhere like that. Where you can just pick up random super good three stars, two stars that aren't that just don't go play for some of those top teams. I think he did pretty well. Like I know like um I think the reason he had the record he did at Colorado State was because he brought on a really good friend from Georgia. This is another thing I heard on one of my Georgia podcasts who it made him his DC and he was the DC the entire time he was there and they were awful on defense. I mean it was just pitiful. I mean some of those Colorado State Hawaii games are some of the highest scoring games I think I've ever seen, a little late night action. But um I don't like like I said, I mean like South Carolina's problem is on offense right now and having a coach like that, an offensive minded coach is the new trend. So that's honestly why I think Mike Bobo probably wound up staying there at least for a year or two. I'm with you. Speaking of coaches that aren't on the hot seat necessarily yet, but very well could be rumors are going on uh, that, you know, if, if, if indeed Tom Herman is on the hot seat, who his replacement could be. Um, in Texas now, I, first let's start there. Do you, do you guys think it's time for Tom Herman to be on the hot seat? Yes. And I'll put, I'll keep it uh, nice and short. Um, Texas is a name brand football team. Texas should be competing for national championships with, with Oklahoma in the big 12. It's, it's, it's that simple. Texas should not be. Uh, you know, barely beating Baylor, uh, you know, barely beating Texas Tech. These are teams Texas should be blowing out, and Texas should be competing with with Oklahoma in the in the Big Twelve. Oh, I'm with you, man. The Texas, when you hear the name Texas, you immediately think of of their football program. I mean, historically, they've always been one of the top 10 programs in the country in recruiting. Now, I, I think that, that A&M going to the SEC actually hurt Texas in recruiting a little bit because it, it those those guys that were on the fence of A&M or Texas have now started to swing A&M's way a little bit just because of the, the TV time that they're guaranteed to get. They're going to be playing in primetime games, all that stuff. So I, I think that that hurt Texas a little bit. But more than anything, I think Texas pulled the trigger on firing Charlie Strong too fast. And when you do that, you start this trend of, well, we can't give guys time to fix the program because we expect to win now because we're Texas. Tom Herman comes in and their defense is atrocious and Sam Ellinger is one of the most overhyped, overrated quarterbacks that I've ever met. I mean, I know some people, some people were like comparing him to Tim Tebow light. And it's like, no, I mean, this dude is, he might've been good whenever the RPO was first a thing, but now that teams know how to defend the RPO, Sam Ellinger's not a great quarterback. He's very average. I think Herman, was supposed to fix that and he hasn't and then the defense is bad i i think i think it's time see personally i kind of disagree with that because i mean texas is averaging 40 points a game it's not the offense that's the problem it's the defense that defense is averaging 
30 points a game. And honestly, I don't think they could tackle a scarecrow laying out in a field. I mean, their their tackling's terrible. They're, it's obviously that their it's obviously their main problem is the defense. Um, I think Herman being fired is all going to depend on what happens in these last three games of the year. He still has to play Iowa State and Kansas State, who are I would say those are two of the f- five best teams in the Big Twelve. The other the other two out of that five being Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. And they've already beaten Oklahoma State. They beat them in uh, that overtime game on Halloween. That was a really good game. And then they lost to Oklahoma in four overtimes. So I'd say really honestly, the only game this year that they really, really underachieved in, like to the point where it's almost laughable, is against TCU when they lost that game. If they would have won that game, and they lost by two, if they would have won that game, I think we'd be looking at Texas completely different. Um, But I think adding in two more losses, two more losses I I think for sure gets them fired, but one more I think definitely puts them on that that edge right there where like he may or may not be fired. I think COVID will probably help him out a little bit too. One thing that's going to yeah. get Herman fired is his record versus Oklahoma. He is one in four in his four seasons against Oklahoma. One in four. Let that soak in. Yeah. And, and you got to beat you. You got to beat your rival. And that was one thing that Mac Brown was always good at. It was he played well against Oklahoma and I also think that the, the I think the, the other factor that plays into it is what coaches are available to bring to Texas, which brings me to my conspiracy theory. So this weekend, and I had kind of I had heard this on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and it actually made sense. If Lane Kiffin win goes five and five with Ole Miss this year, it's an Ole Miss team that was probably not supposed to win more than three games. If if Lane Kiffin goes five and five. Does Texas call Lane Kiffin and see about him coming there? And I was like, yeah, you know, with Lane Kiffin's history, no way that he would leave this fast. Fast forward two weeks, and I, I'm in Oxford this past weekend having some conversations with people who live in the area and like big time alumni. And no, I guess not big time, but alumni who are very invested in the program and interested in the area. Now, like I said, Oxford is very much like Statesboro. It's a very small town. Everybody kind of knows the ins and outs. Lane Kiffin hasn't bought a house in Oxford yet. And according to these people who have insight, Lane Kiffin is not exactly thrilled with the Oxford nightlife because it's not big enough. He likes the Miami, Boca Raton type thing. So me taking two and two together, I think if Lane Kiffin goes 5-5 five and five with Ole Miss this year and Tom Herman loses another game to a, a, a Big 12 team, he doesn't win out, I think the, Texas is going to pick up the phone and call Lane Kiffin, and Lane Kiffin may be wearing the burnt orange next year. That's just conspiracy theory with Matt. You're crazy. Not happening. I would not leave Ole Miss to go coach at Texas. Now, I'm, I'm, not, being, I'm not being biased because I hate Texas. I'm just saying, I I'm not leaving the SEC to go to to go to Texas. Not happening. I don't know if this name has really been floating around uh, recently. I know he, he just got fired a couple of weeks ago. What about Bill O'Brien as a replacement for Tom Herman? Have you guys heard anything about that? Uh, no. I Bill actually, O'Brien is better served in the pros. I don't think he'd be a good college head coach, and I also think that he kind of screwed himself with some of the moves he made on his way out the door at uh with the Texans with uh shipping DeAndre Hopkins to uh the Cardinals. Yeah, I 
I think Bill O'Brien did a phenomenal job with Penn State when he took that program over in the situation that they were coming out of um, with the end of the Joe Pa era and the allegations and situation that surrounded that whole exit. I think Bill O'Brien was a good filler. I don't think that that Bill O'Brien is a name that Texas fans are going to say, I'm glad we fired Tom Herman and got this guy. Like, even though Texas is a big-name program, they're still very much going to want to create that buzz and that energy and that excitement around the program, which is why I could – I mean, if if what I heard this weekend is true, I could absolutely see Lane Kiffin leaving and going to Texas. My problem with that is if I'm Texas – I'm not calling a guy who has one year of head coaching success at Ole Miss. I want to see how he recruits against top-tier programs like Alabama, and I want to see how it, how he builds the culture of that of that program. Because if if you look at Lane Kiffin's resume, how he left Tennessee, and how he left USC. I'm not going to be like, all right, man, I'm going to fork the checkbook out for you personally. But that's just me. And I hope he stays at Ole Miss. Does anybody in the SEC have any any chance of getting Alabama? I don't think so. I mean, at this point, the only team that really has a chance to even have a shot at them is Florida. I mean, they've already beaten A&M. They've already beaten Georgia. Georgia's already lost to Florida, put themselves out of the race to even get back and have that second chance at Alabama. I mean, they still have Auburn. Auburn, you never know with that game, even though they should blow Auburn's doors off the way that they've played this year. And LSU, it's the same. I mean, there's not a team that should be able to compete with them. I'd say Florida has the best chance, but just, I mean, I, I, obviously I could be a little biased here, but I, just, I don't think Florida is as good as people are kind of throwing them out to be. I just think they have a really, really good offense. Um, and, yeah, like their offense is legit. It's could be the best offense in the country. It's at least top five. But I'd say that Bama's offense coped with Bama's defense. Even though, like Bama's, Bama's defense isn't a, isn't like a top ten unit or anything, but they're but they're very good. And I think they're way better than Florida's. Um, so I, I I don't think Florida will even compete with Bama once they get to that SEC championship. You say that I get nervous, man. Like I <laughs> I have seen crazier things happen, and this Florida team to me is so much like. LSU last year where I go, I thought going into that game, you know, our offense and defense are going to go toe-to-toe. Our defense is a little bit better than theirs, and that'll be the difference. And then, you know, we had – Alabama had some mistakes early in that game that let LSU go up big, uh, like get, get up – I think it was a two- or three-score lead at one point, and it was like, oh, God, the wheels are falling off again. It ended up being a five-point game, but that's that's how Florida reminds me right now. At first, I was kind of thinking that that's kind of how Alabama was going to be this year was a lot like LSU, and and I've seen that similarity too. I just think we live in a world now where defense is secondary to offense in college football, and it doesn't matter. Florida, I initially was thinking, eh, but now I've after watching them play against Georgia the way they did, watching them play against uh, Arkansas, who has a very good defense the way they did, I, th- I think Florida could pose some real problems for Alabama in the SEC championship. Who's y'all's top four? Oof. I'm going to say one, Alabama, two, Ohio State, three, Notre Dame, four, Clemson. 
and that's just because Notre Dame beat Clemson. I think you could put Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. I, I think you could move it around either of those ways, and I would agree with it. Those are the top four teams. I would say right now, I would say right now, for sure, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and I would say Clemson's four. I don't think that's going to be the final four at the end of the year. I think there's a good chance it could be. Not, not obviously, it definitely won't be in that order because if Clemson makes it, they'll be two or th- they'll be two or three, probably two or one. Who knows? Yeah, I'd say at least for now. I'd say by the end of the year, it's my picks. If I was going to pick right now by the end of the year, who I would would think of the top four teams, I would say Bama. I think Clemson will probably end up two. I think Ohio State would probably be three, and honestly, four. I have no idea. I think Cincinnati has a good shot, um, but. It's tough. I don't know. Could be Oregon. Could be USC. All right. So my top four is Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and hear me out, Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's very good. I've just Wisconsin. Wisconsin is, is legit until until they beat Ohio State. I mean, it's the same thing with Florida. Like, I think Florida is probably equally as good as Alabama uh, offensively. Um, and then only on only offensively. I think defensively Alabama's better. But uh, if if Florida beats Alabama, you know, and, and oh God, I, I see the same way, that, that the same way. Until Wisconsin beats Ohio State, I've got to give the nod to the guy who's a front runner for the Heisman, and that's Justin Fields. The thing that's going to hold Ohio State back is defense, because they don't—they are not playing very good defense this year, and that's one thing Wisconsin has always been good at, and that's defense. And if their offense continues to produce like they—they've been producing so far, Ohio State's going to be in a lot of trouble. So that's why I have right now Wisconsin in the in the four spot. Yeah, I think uh, I I don't think that's a bad argument at all. I mean, Wisconsin's been playing really well. I think what's going to hurt Wisconsin more than anything is the fact that they lost two games and they only play that eight game schedule, as well as they would play that extra obviously if they went to the conference championship. But and if they went undefeated, I mean, I think still at this point, if they beat Ohio State, they'd still be able to make it. But I don't know. That's tough. I mean, yeah, Ohio State's defense has dropped off a lot since last year i think they have a lot of good talent that's gonna start playing better as the season goes on just based on um what i've heard from people i talk to in the big 10 and from what i've seen just watching them play they seem like they get better every week on defense but um i t- definitely see where you're coming from with wisconsin all right guys let's go ahead and move on to our pour one out cut them off segment lando you go first all right this week i am pouring one out for Lewis Hamilton, who won his seventh Formula One championship this weekend. He tied uh, Formula One legend Michael Schumacher with the most championships in F1 history. Uh, This year, he also surpassed Michael Schumacher uh, in all-time wins in Formula One. He now sits at 95, and Schumacher has 92. So, pour one out for Lewis Hamilton, who is an amazing race car driver. And this week, I am cutting off Bryson DeChambeau, who didn't play so well over the weekend. He played, you know, after the the first couple days, after Friday and uh, uh, Thursday and Friday, he played a little better, but overall he did not play that great. So I'm cutting off Bryson DeChambeau. Matt, how about you, man? 
So I am pouring one out for Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, talked about it earlier. I fell in love with that place, man. I've been to uh, a few different SEC towns. This one, and I've been going to Tuscaloosa for a long time. Tuscaloosa's one A, Oxford's one B. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a different kind of vibe there than any other SEC t- SEC town I've been to. And like I said, to me, it's like a big Statesboro, Georgia, um, which is it's a little bit cleaner. And, uh, you know, the, it's, it's really nice. So that's, I'm pouring one out for Oxford. I had a blast there. Um, I'm cutting off LSU. So I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with everything that's been going off with going on with LSU. Uh, first they have their, their COVID. This is their second COVID outbreak of the season. Uh, they had one in the, in the preseason, but now, uh, they, have recently been releasing that there has been sexual assault allegations that went unpunished uh, with football players sent under Ed Ogeron's uh, time at, at LSU, including big names like Grant Delpit. Now the validity is still being investigated, but even LSU's lawyers are coming down and saying that this stuff happened. When your own people start throwing throwing some shade on you, it's it's not a good situation to be in. So I'm cutting off LSU. I think that that you know, but because they're a big name program, do they get the the slap on the hand? And is this just big news for a day, uh, potentially? But either way, I think they need to be punished. And uh, wit, who you who you pouring one out for? So this week, I'm pouring one out for Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he wore some really nice Alex Trebek tribute cleats this weekend, um, and I thought that was really cool. It really warmed my heart uh, after the passing away of Alex Trebek. Um, I guess it was last week. And uh, I'm also going to pour one out for Dustin Johnson for winning his first Masters um, after being the best golfer for probably the past, like, two or three years. He won PGA golf for the year last year and uh, won his first major. Uh, it was either last year or, or two years ago. I can't remember, but he he's been playing really well. Uh, definitely deserved it. He's a definitely big fan favorite of for American golfers. And um, I'm really happy for him. And uh, I'm going to be cutting off the Michigan man mentality at the university of Michigan. Uh, I don't know if you guys have actually ever heard of this before. I actually didn't, surprisingly. You, you think I would, but um, I was talking to one of my good buddies who's a big Ohio State fan about who uh, he thought would be the next coach. And um, I was floating around P.J. Fleck, and that, that was kind of why I changed my mind and said that Fickle is most likely the guy uh, who I think is going to replace him now is because he's gone. The, the Michigan man mentality at Michigan, they want a guy that's like, you know, very traditional, very – Goes goes by the book, doesn't really change up anything, no spread offenses, nothing like that, and that's why PJ Fleck, like with the, his whole roll the row the boat and all that crap, I don't think they, I don't think they're gonna let him do that at Michigan. Um, so I'm cutting it off. I think it's really killing him, um, especially after the SmackDown Michigan took this weekend against Wisconsin, and um, I mean it killed him with Brady Hoke, it's killed him with Jim Harbaugh. I think it's time for them to loosen the hell up. Keys, who are you pouring one out for? So this week I'm pouring one out for Nick Chubb for caring about his team more than your bets. He was on his way to like a 60-yard run, and I think the Browns were what? What was the line for that? 3.5? It was 3.5, and and they were up 10-7. to Good for Nick Chubb for doing what Todd Gurley couldn't a couple weeks ago and just uh, getting the win by taking the knee. That one hurts. (laughs) 
Yeah, that one that one hits a little close to home for us. But uh, yeah, pouring one out for Nick Chubb. And I'm cutting off COVID-19, man. This week was just horrible for college football. I know there was uh, at least four SEC games. There's Georgia-Mizzou, uh, Tennessee, Texas A&M, LSU-Alabama, and Auburn-Miss State. And then another big game was the uh, Ohio State-Maryland game. That game was also canceled due to covid and oh, man, I'm just so tired. It, it, I mean, yeah, we had the Masters this week to make up for it, but yeah, it just stinks. All these games get canceled. You don't want to see that. Yeah, we are not a COVID podcast. I'll tell you all that right now. Anti-COVID podcast. And and I'll go as far as saying that COVID is an anti-American tackle football disease, and I don't, <laughs> I don't get down with that. <laughs> no, we do not get down with COVID on this podcast. Well, anyway, guys, we're going to move on into our locks. Uh, Lando, who's your lock of the week? Lock of this week will be Texas over Kansas. Kansas is not good, and Texas really ain't that much better, but they're better than Kansas. So I got Texas. Matt. So we all know, and all of our listeners know, that I am a big, big proponent of late-night West Coast football. So this week, my lock of the week is Boise State over Hawaii, 11 p.m. Eastern kickoff. God, I love it. It's it's they're playing this game in Honolulu. It's my favorite. It's my favorite pastime. You 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 turn the game on at eleven. You got a good buzz. You go to take a, a slight slumber. You watch the first you know five minutes of the first quarter. Slight slumber. Wake up mid fourth quarter. If it's a close game, you watch the rest of it. If it's not, you know who won. This week, it's going to be Boise State, big over Hawaii. That's my lock. Wit, what's your lock of the week? So this week, I am um, – usually I take an upset here. I don't know if you would really consider this an upset, even though most years it, it would be. Um, I'm going to take Iowa over Penn State. I think Iowa is really starting to put it together. Uh, they've been playing good football these past two weeks. And Penn State, I mean, like I said earlier, they've all but given up on this year. They're, they look like they're just not in it. They look like they just – like after that week one game against Indiana, they haven't shown any life of being any any kind of team this year. It's just it's just I think they're just done. Um, I don't even think they're going to win a game to be honest. Um, the way they're playing, so yeah, I'm going to take Iowa over Penn State. Keys, you got a lock of the week. All right, so this week I'm going with a Sun Belt matchup actually, and it's not the Georgia Southern game because you guys are going to pick that one later. I'm going with App State against Coastal Carolina. Right now, Coastal Carolina is at the top of the Sun Belt. They're actually ranked 15. And they've been sitting there for a couple of weeks, actually. Um, App State is 6-1, and one, and Coastal is 7-0. and oh. This is actually probably for the Sun Belt, so I think this is a good matchup this week. Whoever wins this game is probably going to take it all. Um, the other side of the conference, you got uh, Louisiana Lafayette, or Louisiana, I guess now. And uh, they're 5-1, and one, and Coastal is 5-0. and oh. So they've played one more game, but they're, they're neck and neck. But I, I think Coastal's the better team. Uh, but I actually got uh, I got App State on the upset this week. They're usually the top team in the Sun Belt. Um, statistically, you know, our, our, our Eagles are, are usually up there too. But uh, statistically, the App State is usually the better team. So I'm, I'm going to go with them for the upset over Coastal this week. Yeah, well, I know none of us are fans of that. But uh, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and get into our picks. Uh, first game, as always, we're going with Georgia Southern Eagles. They're heading into West Point, take on Army. Army is a four-point favorite. Lando, who are you picking? 
this game is going to take a total of barely two hours. Both these teams run the ball way too much, so the clock is always going to be running. So I I, I guarantee this game takes about two hours and ten minutes. That being said, I never pick against Georgia Southern, and I'm not going to start today. Georgia Southern by, mm, let's go five points. Matt, who do you got? This one is a hard one because my my gut's telling me that Army's going to win this game, but my heart just won't let me do it because this is a Jeff Munkin revenge game, baby, even though none of these players were even in college whenever Jeff Munkin was with the Eags. Uh, regardless, I'm going Jeff Munkin revenge game. Eags pull it out and a very tight one. Two-point win here for the Eags. Wit, what you got? I think we're all uh, pretty much in agreement here. I got Southern by five. Army only beat Citadel by three. And I would say that Georgia Southern is a better version of the Citadel with less people in the military. So I think Southern is going to win by five. And uh, I'm sticking to it. But uh, we'll go ahead and get to our next game. We got another group of five game, probably the group of five game of the week. Uh, number seven, Cincinnati is a six point favorite heading into Orlando, taking on UCF. Lando, who you got? Cincinnati is a real football team. Cincinnati by 10, Matt. Wow. I actually think that UCF is going to come out jacked up for for this one, and they're going to punch them in the mouth early. Uh, We're going to see what type of team Cincinnati is, and I think we're going to see that Cincinnati is a legit team. Cincinnati comes back and wins this one, but it's a tight one. They win this one by four. Wit. So this is my take the over game of the week easily. I mean, this game is going to be a shootout. UCF has the number one ranked offense in the country, led by Dylan Gabriel, who is number two in the country in passing yards. And since he has a really good defense, they're ranked number 10 in the country uh, from what I looked at on CBS, at least. And mm-hmm. um, if, But if they have a weakness on that defense, it's going to be in their secondary. And I think the matchup between Dylan Gabriel and their receivers against Cincinnati's secondary is going to be the reason that UCF actually had like uh, pulls off the upset and wins this game. I think UCF is going to win by one. And uh, with that, we'll head into a little Big Ten action. Uh, our Big Ten game of the week, we're picking it first. We got number nine, Indiana, heading into number three, Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Lando, who are you picking? Uh, how big of a favorite is Ohio State? 20 and a half. Indiana is going to scare Ohio State. They're not going to beat them, but they're going to scare them. I got a, I got Ohio State by 15. I don't think Ohio State's going to cover, but they're going to be darn close. And I don't think that it's going to be much of a game. I think Ohio State pulls out early. They stay ahead for most of the game, and it's a 2-3 score game pretty much the entire way. Uh, I, I think it's going to be one of those, like, 52 to 35 type games uh ohio state wins uh dominates pretty much handily wit what you thinking i think if you look at the stats um it leans heavily in favor of ohio state but considering they've only played three or uh, four and three games um i don't think the stats really tell the whole story indiana is a good football team this year i think ohio state is the best team in the country and i will not waver from that until they give me a reason to um, but I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with uh, I'm more with Lando. I'd say I, I think Indiana is going to give him a scare. I think Ohio State's the better team, but um, I got Ohio State by three, and uh, we'll roll from that into our next game. We got another Big Ten game. Number ten, Wisconsin, 
uh, after beating the crap out of Michigan last week as a seven and a half point favorite heading into number 19 Northwestern Lando who are you picking we're gonna see how good Wisconsin is this week because Northwestern is is a solid football team uh Wisconsin's gonna win but they're gonna win by seven I don't think they got much well obviously they didn't get much of a test last week against Michigan so this week is gonna be a test they're gonna really gonna have to get in there and play some solid uh, all-around good football uh, Matt who do you have so I I think that Wisconsin only being a, having played two games again the stats aren't really going to tell the whole story of who Wisconsin is but I think Wisconsin is incredibly good offensively and defensively I think the line being set at seven and a half is 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 pretty on par with where it's going to be I think Wisconsin wins this game by nine um that's uh, if there were fans in the stands i'd give northwestern a little bit more of a swing um but with no fans i just think wisconsin's a good football team and they're a more talented football team than northwestern so i told y'all my since or the uh, cincinnati at ucf game was my take the over game of the week this is my take the under game of the week um i take the under all the way i mean I think Northwestern's defense matches up really well with what Wisconsin likes to do on offense, and that's run the ball. Even though they're throwing the ball a lot better than they usually are, I still think they're a run-first team. And Northwestern's rush defense has been really solid this year. Um, And obviously, Wisconsin, every year, always has this top-level defense. They brought back a lot of starters from last year, and they're looking looking the same this year. Fantastic defense. Um, I think it'll be a close game through and through, uh, but I think – Wisconsin will pull away just a little bit at the end and get the cover. I'm going to take Wisconsin by 10. Um, So we were all pretty close there. But we're going to go ahead and get into uh, one of our Big 12 games this week. We got Kansas State at number 17, Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State is an 11-point favorite. Wow, that's actually a lot. Lando, who you got? Uh, Kansas State's playing without Skylar Thompson. So it's going to be pretty difficult for them to overcome uh, Iowa State's offense. So I got Iowa State. Yeah, I'm 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 with Lando. Cyclones take this one. I, I don't think Kansas State's going to be able to make up for for with, with that loss. Uh, I, I've got I've got Iowa State by 14. So Iowa State has to get Brees Hall going at running back to win football games. That's just kind of the way it's been <sighs> this year. Um, even with all the hype coming in with Brock Purdy, um, and I think Kansas State plays really well on. Uh, their rush defense plays really well. I think they're going to be able to stop Brees Hall. Um, I think they're going to make Brock Purdy beat them. And from what I've seen this year, I don't think Brock Purdy is the type of quarterback that can beat a team like Kansas State. I think Kansas State's going to win in a really close game, kind of a low-scoring game. I think Kansas State's going to win by three. Moving on to our SEC game of the week, um, after the Ole Miss-Texas A&M cancellation, we have LSU as a one-point favorite in Fayetteville against Arkansas. Um, Sam Pittman is back on the sidelines after missing last week due to COVID. Lando, who are you picking? Arkansas. LSU blows. Matt. Woo, pig, suey. Arkansas's defense is gnarly. Felipe Franks has played better. Arkansas wins this one. I think they're going to have a defensive touchdown. That makes them win by 15. Wit. So LSU has won this game four years in a row. And uh, the biggest win of those four came last year in Baton Rouge 
when Joe Burrow thumped the Razorbacks 56 to 20. Um, I think Arkansas gets revenge for that game this year and ends that streak. I think Arkansas will win by at least 10, maybe even 17. I think 17 at the most. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and jump into our game of the week, college game day game of the week. Uh, we have number 14, Oklahoma State, heading in to Norman, Oklahoma, taking on number 18, the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, our boy Lando's favorite team. And uh, Oklahoma is a seven-point favorite. Lando, are you picking the Sooners? I don't know. Am I picking the Sooners? Yeah. I'm, of course I'm picking Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma State is... No, let me let me rephrase that. Mike Gundy is 2-13 and 13 against Oklahoma all time since he's been Ooh. there. Uh, Oklahoma State hasn't beaten Oklahoma in five years. So, no, wait. I take that back. It's been six years. Last time they beat him, they beat us was 2014. So Oklahoma, we have to play good defense, and Spencer Rattler really has to iron out his mistakes and play solid, mistake-free football. So I got us winning a close game by six. It's gonna be real close, Matt. I've been I've been calling Oklahoma State out on this one since they were undefeated before the Texas game. I don't think Oklahoma State is good enough to hang with Oklahoma. I think their defense is good and may keep them in the game, but I think we've seen Spencer Rattler get all the the starter heebie-jeebies out, and he doesn't have any jitters anymore. I think that Oklahoma offense is going to come in. They're going to roll in on all cylinders. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game for a little while, but then I think Oklahoma is ultimately going to be pulled away even though Oklahoma's defense hasn't been great this year, I think they've improved every game this season. Uh, there's been a great improvement from their defense from week two to where they are, where they are now. And I think uh, Oklahoma winds up winning this one by 17. Wit. So I think uh, Spencer Rattler going up against this secondary that ranks seventh in the country is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think Oklahoma State keeps it close throughout the game. But the Sooners are going to get a late touchdown and put them up by two possession. Um, I think it's probably going to be Oklahoma by 14. I could see it being 17, like you said, Matt, maybe even 20. Uh, but I'm with you. I think Oklahoma wins this game. I think they're just the better team. Lane, are you pretty nervous about that game or not really? Uh, I am always nervous when we play either Texas or Oklahoma State because no matter which team is really good or which team really sucks, the game is always super close. So it. It's it's games being played in Norman. Uh, I'm really glad it's not being played in in, in, uh, in old Stillwater. Because uh, for those of you who who don't watch Big Twelve football like I do, obviously you don't know. But in, in Oklahoma State's home stadium, they have these r- r- orange pads that they that they hit against the the side of the boards, and it makes all this kind of noise and racket. And it's just a a, a nuisance to watch football games in, in in Stillwater. So I'm really glad the games in Norman. Uh, it's going to be college game day is going to be there for the first time uh, since 2012 for the game. So I'm uh, really looking forward to this weekend and uh, watching my Sooners hopefully whip up on Oklahoma State. I think the stat that I read that kind of swayed me to make it thinking it was going to be a bigger a bigger spread. I didn't realize this, but Oklahoma's not even given up 100 yards rushing per game this year. They're giving, and I know that's because a lot of Big 12 teams throw the ball a majority of the time. 
But Oklahoma's only averaging like 98 yards a game on the ground that they're giving up defensively. And that's where Oklahoma State thrives offensively is when they get their ground game going. So I, I, that's that to, to further back up why I think Oklahoma's going to win this game, they're going to be just fine. I think their rush defense is, is going to hold them in this game. I'm going to say this one thing. Oklahoma better win this weekend because I bet my cousin who graduated from Oklahoma State, I bet him 50 bucks on the game. So I have money on the line this weekend. Speaking of that, Wit, you and Lando don't have a bet this week? Speaking of that, Wit still owes me money. <laughs> I do. You're right. I do. But we're going triple or nothing. Triple this or week. nothing. Triple or nothing. Oh, <laughs> triple or nothing. We're this a $90 nothing this bet week. now? Yeah, not, not no. $90. Oh, gosh, no. No, triple from triple from the, what, what did we Did we start at 5 15? to 15? No, we started triple at 15. Triple from the 15. Then I doubled it. Triple from the 15. And then he doubled it. So now we're tripling it. So by the end of the season, we might get up to a thousand dollars. But um, shoot, man, I haven't even looked at the games for bets. What game well, did we? How about how about Cincinnati? Well, Cincinnati UCF. I think that's one game. Well, you picked uh, UC, uh, UCF, or did you pick Cincinnati? Because I picked Cincinnati. I picked I picked UCF. I got all right. Cincinnati UCF or Kansas State Iowa State. You pick. I got Kansas State against Iowa State. Uh, Either way, you got the favorite. Uh, let's go. Let's go the Cincinnati one because that, that, that game is okay. going to be a lot closer. I guess it's going to be a lot closer. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. We can do that one. Y'all heard it here. Lando and Wits, triple or nothing. Fifteen dollar bet of the week. Uh, Wits got UCF. Lando's got Cincy. I know you guys look forward to this every week as we do. Um, I think we did are last week. Are probably like these. These idiots are only betting fifteen dollars. Who only bets fifteen dollars? Well, now we're betting forty-five. So <laughs> that's what I was saying a few weeks ago when Lando was like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to swing the fifteen bucks." I was like, "Dude, it's fifteen dollars." I did it, and now I'm up, you know, thirty bucks. So womp womp. In theory, you're, right right now, your your money is all like stock stocks. Like it's there, yeah. but it's not really there. You can't you can't touch you it. Can't, you can't liquidate it quite yet. That is until I say, "No, nah, fuck you, wit. Uh, give me my money." <laughs> well we've already had a gentleman's agreement on this upcoming game so <laughs> what are you guys' plans for uh thanksgiving next week well i'm going to be most likely potentially going down to savannah at the beginning of the week and then coming back up here uh we'll be with my wife's family this year for thanksgiving uh once you get married you have to kind of like figure out who has holidays and with whose family and when. So uh, this year it's Thanksgiving with her family, Christmas with my family, and we'll kind of flip-flop that every year until we get to a point where we have a house big enough and we can say, hey, we're not going anywhere because we have kids. Y'all come to us. So I'm actually – I took off um, a couple days from work uh, next week so I could go see my family down at Callaway Gardens. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever gotten to go there. I know we all grew up in Georgia, but it's kind of just like this – state park uh very natural kind of area they have some really cool christmas lights we used to go see as kids and uh, my grandparents take us there every year because they used to have a house down there but they sold it a long time ago um just like a little cabin so um we used to go there every year up until i was probably like 11 or 12 and they sold it and then probably for the next probably for the next three or four years or so we quit going and we started doing thanksgiving like my grandma would cook um, at her house, and we would all go over there. But probably, 
what was it? I guess after that, probably when I was 16 or 17, my grandpa decided, he was like, you know what? We're done cooking. We don't want anyone else to cook. We're going to start going to Callaway Gardens again, and we're going to do this big buffet. So we actually do a big buffet spread every year that's uh, cooked by these, like, really, really well-trained, like, foreign cooks. And they always make, like, the best turkey I've ever had in my entire life. So it might be a little different this year because of COVID. Um, usually we have a pretty big table. Um, so I don't know if they're going to let us have that kind of, you know, cause you know, they're limiting people to like six or eight people or something like that. Um, I don't know if they're going to be doing that this year, but I'm very excited to get to see my family. It's been, a, it's been a while. Yeah. Because of COVID, my parents are too afraid to leave the house. So, uh, we're going to be staying at home this year and I'm very sad cause we initially had plans to go to, uh, Boonville, Missouri. I'm sure everybody knows where that is. Uh, but we get to visit. Uh, we're going to visit my uh, my grandmother who lives there, and she has the best macaroni and cheese. And now, because of COVID and my parents being scaredy cats, I don't get to eat macaroni and cheese this year. So I'm quite sad. COVID's the worst, man. My actually, so me and me and my wife got married. Tomorrow is our third wedding anniversary. So uh, we got married the weekend of Thanksgiving like right before the weekend, right before Thanksgiving. Um, so the, the very first Thanksgiving we were married, we were down at our honeymoon, uh, in St. Augustine and we stayed at a resort similar to like Callaway gardens. And we had one of those big spreads. They had like three rooms that you would go into and get the food. And like one of them was solely desserts. And it was like any dessert that you could ever think of. And it was just an entire room full of desserts. It's amazing. All right, so what's the better holiday? Thanksgiving or Christmas? Christmas. What? I I say I say Christmas, but if we're talking food, Thanksgiving 100%. I don't know, it's the same food for us either way, dude. Honestly, we get we get same. the spread and you get the presents for mostly the kids nowadays cuz we're older, but you know, it's just you get all the holidays and the food. I just I like it better. Man, I'm I will you. take Thanksgiving all day over Christmas. The food, the football, the the weather is nicer. I I just don't I don't like Christmas I don't like Christmas music. I I, I don't know. Thanksgiving is so much better. <laughs> I was gonna say Lando's got, a Grinch. Lando is a Grinch. He is the Grinch, honestly. If you guys had to pick, would you pick ham or turkey? Ooh, fried turkey. Fried what turkey. kind of what kind of ham? Honey baked ham? Because if it's honey baked ham, it, I'm taking honey baked ham. All you can day. take your pick. You can take your pick of ham, or you take a pick of turkey. Just whichever way you want it. Oh, which God. one do you go for? Oh, but honey baked turkey is good too. <laughs> uh, no. Ham all See, day long. All day. Here's here's here is my official statement. When I initially go up and make a plate, I'm going ham. However. We get the Hawaiian rolls, and they're left over. And the leftover turkey on a Hawaiian roll with a little dab of mayonnaise? Dude, you just can't you see. Beat. When you're on, like, game three of the football day of Thanksgiving, and you've eaten, like, four plates of food already, and now you just want a little snacky snack, so you go in there and you make one of those, every time it wins. I mean, the leftover turkey, initially the ham. You see, the thing with turkey for me is it, it gets so like it gets dry and it, it takes a lot to chew and it sits there in my throat and I I, I don't want to have that. I'd rather have the ham because it's nice and juicy and it's always good the next day. It's good for several of the next days. Turkey is just isn't that good after the first initial bites. No matter what meat you pick, 
the official sponsor of Thanksgiving is the King's Hawaiian Roll, hands down. At least it should be. Yes. Wrong. Yes. The official sponsor of Thanksgiving foods is Barbagine Hester's Raise Your Cholesterol Macaroni and Cheese, which I am not getting this year. <laughs> Dude, you know, that, that really, mac and cheese is one of the best dishes, but I get mac and cheese pretty cat like frequently like on just casual dinner nights like I, I will whenever i go home i'm like hey mom do you want to make that famous mac and cheese of that we've had in our family for years she's like yeah i love mac and cheese my 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 favorite thanksgiving dish though is gotta be my grandmother's cornbread dressing Ooh. and i have some rebuttal to saying Ooh. i'm the grinch because just because i said i don't like christmas music <laughs> And Christmas isn't my favorite holiday. Doesn't mean I don't like Christmas. My by far my favorite part of Christmas is Christmas movies. Bad Santa is one of my all time favorite movies. And how then the great Christmas. movie, exactly. And, and and how the Grinch stole Christmas, the original. That is that is one of my favorite movies of all time. The original cartoon or the original live action Grinch stole the, Christmas. The, the original cartoon. Love it. I love it. See, that's my thing. Is is like I. Whenever I was growing up, I used to get so annoyed because my mom would start playing Christmas music on November 1st every year. And now I am the same way. Like, I love Christmas. I am all in on November 1st to November whatever. The day before Thanksgiving is Christmas. And then for three days, we celebrate Thanksgiving. And then it's right back to Christmas. I I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday of all the holidays. It just, I don't know. It, to me, it's just like the feeling, like whenever it's this time of year, like it, the feeling of what Christmas is, is like, oh man, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, man. And for Thanksgiving, it's that tradition of watching the uh, Detroit Lions play at noon. And usually they suck. So watching the Lions lose and eat ham and all the good foods and then you watch the cowboys play at three in the, the, the midday game it's just oh i love thanksgiving Ugh, can't wait i don't know about you guys I, but I, I feel like once you get older and like have kids and get married like like our good buddy matt over here you start to really appreciate the small things about some of these holidays like christmas like i mean i love christmas it, i'd say it's my number one favorite holiday but like for me thanksgiving Thanksgiving is like number four or five on my list because I love like Halloween. I love New Year's. I love like, and of course, like I'm, you know, I'm 24. I live in Nashville. I enjoy doing fun things. I like going out. I like having fun with people. I like going to some bars and stuff. Obviously this year it's COVID. So it's a little bit different this year than it usually is. But I like, I like holidays where I can go out and have a couple of drinks and have a good time with the friends and you know, just kind of, just kind of cut loose and, uh, Thanksgiving, I mean, or at least with my family holidays, like Thanksgiving and Christmas, I can't really do that, but you know, the spirit of Christmas kind of just takes over everything. So that's why they're number one, but, Dude, I, but cannot I, I love wait. me some Halloween and New Year's. I cannot wait. Like one of the things that I'm, I'm looking forward to the most about, you know, one day settling down and all that and have a family is, is the holidays to boot back up again. Cause I feel the same way. I feel like it's it's kind of lost its luster. Now we're getting older. You don't do that really presents. Like you're not surprised by anything, you know, but like to have kids or something like Matt in a few years, I'm sure he's going to have a yeah. blast, you know, and, and ha- Halloween See, with kids is so much better than just going, dressing up and going to a bar. I, I've never really been a big Halloween guy in general. I don't know why. I just like, it was never that holiday that was just like, 
oh my god it's halloween like i to me it was like oh cool i get to go get a bunch of candy that i'm not actually gonna eat and then i'm gonna wind up giving away to other people or you know whatever halloween just never did it for me and and like i never really got into the halloween movies and i'm not a big scary movie guy i but christmas man like i remember whenever i was in college i started to lose the the the, the christmas spirit there for a few years because it just, it just kind of i, I kind of got burnt out on it it was like all right i'm gonna go home it's gonna be cold i'm gonna stay there for a couple of weeks and all of my friends who live in atlanta are gonna be gone and I'm going to be down here by myself, bored. And then a couple of years, I ended up not even going home since I lived so close. I just drove down for the day and then drove back up to the borough and stayed in the borough. But now, I mean, I love Christmas, man. It's it's just the best. Like, you get the house decorated all on the inside and it smells like warm cookies all the time because your wife buys candles that smell delicious. And, you know, it, it's it's the most wonderful time of the year. It really is. I never was a big Halloween guy. I when I when I was growing up, I grew up in a in a in a nice Christian household. So same. I would always. <laughs> I, I, so for the first six years uh, of my life, until I was you know until finally my my parents let me go trick or treat uh, on Halloween. Uh, I would go to church and and do the little church thing at church instead of go to Halloween. Like the little yep. trunk or treat stuff. Yeah, yep. little, 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 little yeah, cool those things all, at those church. Those were awesome when we were little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my sister still does stuff like that. So you know, honestly, yeah. I guess, I guess I am kind of looking forward to that because I, don't, I don't know, I, I think people are gonna give me crap for this probably because it's not the fun thing to do. But spending Halloween in church it, it, it isn't a bad thing to do. No, it really isn't. It's it, it's just crazy because like I, I was in one of those Christian household families where. My, uh, I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter until I was in like middle school because, you know, witchcraft and wizardry and whatnot. And, uh, my mom made me get rid of all my Pokemon cards because she said that the, the preacher said they were little demons. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> RIP to the millions of dollars that I could have had from, from Pokemon cards that I sold, but damn. <laughs> I mean, honestly, growing up, like, like trick or treating was fun. I liked it. Um, I wouldn't say it was my favorite holiday, but it's. I mean, it was probably top five. But I really was didn't get big into Halloween until, honestly, until college. And it honestly probably has a lot to do with the drinking. I think my my first ever Halloween that I was that I really remember having like an absolute blast uh, and thinking like, wow, this is like one of the greatest holidays. Was uh, what was it? Two years ago, two thousand. I guess it was two thousand eighteen. Halloween, um, yeah, no, it was either 2018 or it might, no, it was actually 2019. It was 2019. It was my senior year in college at Southern, and um, they had Dollar Drink Night at Shenan's from I think it was seven to ten. So we went out. Um, I think Keys was down there with us too. Um, I know, Lena, you were with us, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And do you also remember yeah. the, uh, the the year before, or was it? I think it was the year before, but. Uh, I think SAE had a party and I don't know how I, I got back to my, to, to my place, but somehow I got back to my place. 
Uh, two years before that is when we were all living together in Monarch. The year before that, there we go. it was our sophomore year. Yeah, because yeah, that was yeah, the yeah, year. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. year I was I wasn't feeling good, so I ended up not going to that party. But right, yeah, I remember you coming back, passing out on the couch, and the night I came out like another hour, like an hour later or something <laughs> to get a water, and you were just gone. <laughs> we might all not right, want to keep so this no, in. I, 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 I stayed there. I think I stayed there to, for like like four more hours, but I don't know. <laughs> No, so I will say I feel like y'all y'all missed out though, like on the borough pre incidents, um, because the way that Halloween worked my freshman sophomore junior year was you paid twenty dollars and you got a wristband and they had it was a it was just a block party in the plaza, so all of the bars in the plaza, which was Retrievers, Rum Runners, Rude Rudies, and the Tav. You could go into any of them and get a drink if you wanted. And they had a gate around the rest of the plaza and they would have like live music and like a DJ or whatever just in the parking lot. And everybody just kind of hung out in the parking lot and walked around from bar to bar getting drinks. And it was the best time of my life whenever we got to do that. It sounds amazing. Oh, dude, it was incredible. Yeah. It was it was incredible because everybody you want to go to the Tav and experience what the Tav has to offer? Cool. You want to go into Rum Runners and experience what Rum Runners has got? Cool. It, and then yet everyone just kind of mingles and and it, it was it was a good time and it would be packed. I mean, it'd be like body to body. Definitely not social distancing rules at the time <laughs> either. Uh, COVID did not exist. If it did, that would be a hot spot for sure. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. Well, guys, we're going to wrap up our show. Uh, thank you guys for coming to listen again. Um, as always, we appreciate it. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to bring up in the show, and uh, we'll be happy to include as much as we can. And uh, we hope you guys have a great rest of your week and uh, that your football teams win this weekend. And uh, we'll see you.